today we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. While checking on a derelict ship near the Romulan neutral zone, the Enterprise discovers Klingon survivors. But as Worf gets to know his people, allegiances will be called into question. From March 19th, 1988, it's season one, episode 19, Home Soil, or No Country for Old Klingons. <laughs> Shit. You are uh, welcome. I'm Cam. That's Dan. And we are the Math Generation. This episode came out when you were a toddler. It did. And it was literally my second birthday. And Cameron watched it and was like, wow, that's a lot of Star Trek references within this one episode. Yep. All the different aliens, the neutral zone, the <laughs> types of well ships. First. Yeah, you were like, huh. <laughs> this is a this is a pretty good uh, deep canon episode. I appreciate this. Yeah. Oh, just poop myself. Oh, <laughs> oh, just poop myself. I mean, I did technically just violate my privacy, but that's fine. I mean, Facebook knows. Yep. Google. Cameron's knows. birthday is March nineteenth. Everyone, March nineteenth. <laughs> and it's obviously not very hard to figure out the year, but it's fine. Everything's fine. Okay. 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 This is a good one. <laughs> I'm excited. One. This this episode get, just did a lot for me. Like, really. I had so many questions about Worf, and several of them were answered, but I still don't know what a Klingon dick looks like, and that's still <laughs> kind of top of my list. Because, I mean, if their foreheads look like that, plus the facial hair, I'm just wondering, like, pubic hair pattern and what the actual genitals look like. Just... I know it's I know it's gross. I know it's probably fetishizing them, but I just, it really is just a morbid curiosity. Well, you're not alone. In the documentary Trekkies, one of the producers, I don't remember which, says that someone sent him a Klingon condom at one point. And it was their interpretation of what a Klingon penis would look like. Oh, I'm sure somebody's made uh, Klingon sex toys by now. Oh, I'm sure. They make dragon ones, for God's sake. <laughs> And a fist. Just a straight up fist. It's called the Great American Challenge. Well, (laughs) you gotta read your thing. Nope. We're gonna keep talking about sex toys, Dan. That's what this podcast is now. (laughs) On Stardate 41503.7, the Enterprise enters the neutral zone. To investigate a distress call from a Talarian freighter. The freighter is badly damaged, and three life forms are detected on board. However, due to the damage, they cannot beam them out. I mean, they cannot even surmise that they're actually alive, so they have to beam an away team over. They find three Klingons Chorus, played by Von Armstrong, Conmel, played by Charles Hyman, and Kunavas, played by Robert Bauer who is wounded. The away team returns with them to the Enterprise before the freighter explodes. 
Kunavas is taken to sickbay, and Chorus meets with Captain Picard. The Klingon explains that they were passengers when the freighter was attacked by a Ferengi ship. The Klingons took over the freighter to fend off and destroy the Ferengi ship, but the damage sustained left the freighter adrift and faltering. As Chorus and Conmel are shown to their quarters, they are surprised to hear about a fellow Klingon, Lieutenant Worf, who is serving within Starfleet. Kunavas's condition continues to worsen, and Chorus and Conmel and Worf are present when he dies. The three of them then, for the first time ever, let out the Klingon death ritual, which is a lot of screaming. Almost orgasmic screaming. As they return to the Klingon's quarters, Conmel is disappointed when Kunavas was not killed by the enemy, leading Worf to question the nature of the attack on the freighter. Chorus and Conmel quickly change the subject. Worf forces Chorus to reveal the truth. The three of them had commandeered the freighter in order to seek out a place where they could live as true Klingons, and the damage to the freighter was a result of the battle with a Klingon ship. When the two were seen near the ship's battle bridge, hoping to steal the drive section and escape, uh, they are placed in the brig. The Enterprise, soon met by a Klingon battlecruiser, captained by Commander Knera, who demands the return of the fu fugitive Klingons. Knowing that Chorus and Cormel will be tried and executed if they are returned, Worf argues instead for their exile to a hostile planet. But Knera refuses. Chorus and Cormel use parts... <laughs> on their uniform that were super secret to assemble a disruptor pistol and escape from the brig. Conmel is killed and Chorus takes over the engineering deck. Picard and Worf race to engineering and Worf tries to reason with Chorus who is threatened who is threatening to destroy the warp core and take the Enterprise with it. Chorus attempts to persuade Worf to come with him and conquer the galaxy as a true Klingon, but Worf retorts that a true Klingon fights out of honor and loyalty, and that Chorus has demonstrated neither. Chorus is enraged, and Worf takes the opportunity to shoot him dead. Canera is told of the deaths of the fugitives, and Worf declares that they died well when asked of their manner of death. Worf agrees to consider an offer to serve aboard the Klingon battlecruiser after his service aboard the Enterprise is complete. However, when communications are broke off, broken off, he assures Captain Picard he was just being polite. And so ends Heart of Glory. I loved this episode. <laughs> I figured you would. Uh, it was just the right mix of old track, new track, canon discoveries an alien culture we're getting to know better some actual combat and death there were some silly things but overall this was a top-notch episode for me i really fucking like this so one i'm so glad to hear that i mean you you really do seem to like the klingon episodes at least so far. i like i think klingons are are interesting they i'm are. i'm you know to me uh i can see why the comparison to the dothraki in game of thrones is made Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying getting to know the the Klingons. In a factor other than the racist caricatures from the original series. Yes, less Fu Manchu, more no fuck you. You yes. know, it's uh, it's, well done, it's, sir. it's fun. <laughs> You're not the only one who came ready to wordplay. Um, <laughs> I and I have to say, when they were telling the story, like a lot of cool things happen. Seeing through Jordy's glasses, uh, very cool. Um, you mean his visor? I, his visor. I apologize. <laughs> his um, his hairpiece over his eyes. 
Yeah, right. His headband <laughs> that he just flipped around was like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, a Ferengi versus Klingon fight that drifted into the Romulan neutral zone on a Talarian ship is the most Star Trek sentence <laughs> that has ever been edited, ed- uttered in Star Trek. The most Star Trek sentence that has ever been uttered in Star Trek thus I mean, you're far. you're not wrong. I was like, I know most of those words. Oh, God. Um, it's but I was glad Dan. to see that the neutral zone is still a thing and they're still hostile with the Romulans. It is. Because they, you know, they pacified the Klingons, so I'm glad that the Romulans still exist as a threat. We'll see if that follows up in any episodes or if we just have to spin our fucking wheels until we get to the Borg. I but, guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I love all the details they added to Klingon culture and getting to know Worf's backstory, raised by humans primarily after a certain age, uh, you know, orphaned at a young age. His, the fact that he has an adopted brother who hopefully we'll meet later. Yep. Um, this like alienation from his culture to some extent because of this, but also being able to see the flaws in it as like a member of said culture, he can critique it in a way that humans could not because he does have some level of understanding and just there, there are many conversations about being a hunter and a warrior and glory and all that. And like the, the Klingon death cry ritual was neat. I liked their notion that once someone dies, also staring into a man's eyes when they die was super fucking intense. Yes. That was a great detail. Um, and they that they don't give a shit about the body. That was neat, too. Um, yeah. The fact that they're rogue Klingons, uh, I just... Some nice wharf choices were made. And, and the, what a gift to Michael Dorn to give him this episode to be like, hey, you know how you've just been kind of like broody and matter of fact and, and every once in a while I get to kick some ass? Well, in this one, we get to learn a lot about you and you get to actually do some fucking acting. It's true. And some excellent acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, surprisingly subtle for a Klingon, which I love. Right. Yeah. But I mean, this cast is exemplary in their talent and skills. So what can I say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he was when he had to kill uh, when he had to kill the guy at the end, I uh, I could really sense his um, pain. <laughs> <laughs> but not Marina Sirtis's because she's not in this episode. <laughs> exactly. I was like, what? she do to piss off the writers or did they again they were just like we have no fucking idea what to do with do with you hey that's, maria just just have a week off it's fine that's exactly what it was that's why uh, she thought she was gonna get fired because there were so many of these episodes lord then they bring Whoopi goldberg on and she's like well clearly there's no room for me fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah because because Whoopi's character is so great you will is love she? Her. Is she not? No, oh, she's oh. fantastic. I adore oh, okay. her character, and you will too. I mean, what? No spoilers. 
I don't know. Maybe I'll like her. Maybe I won't. I have a feeling that by the time we get to like the fourth season of this show, I'm going to be like really into it. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you will. Hopefully Still so much my so trio, you won't though. question my favorite episode in this series like you did in the original series. Well, just have better taste and it won't be a problem. <laughs> I have superb taste. You, sir, your tastes are questionable at best. Your taste is all in your mouth. <laughs> uh, Cameron, what else did you love about this episode? I haven't actually said anything that I loved. It's been you, and I've loved listening to you because you loved it so much. And I love being listened to because I'm <laughs> an attention you whore. <laughs> You're the epitome of musical theater, kid. That's Wyoming Tinder for you. Uh, Cameron. <laughs> What did you love about this episode? I'll cut all that Jesus out. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll cut all that out. Just tell me what you loved about this episode. Oh, I also loved that we finally get to get a glimpse of Klingon culture, the new Klingons. I mean, that's my favorite part about The Next Generation is it takes everything that the original series was, but expands on it and makes it more interesting and just a better portrayal. It's not a caricature by any means. All of these cultures that we meet they become interesting and truly individualistic in their portrayal. And I love, I love, love, love that so much. It's the inverse of what the next generation does to uh, Earth human culture. Yes. Because apparently uh, we get another hundred or so years in the future and all those fun accents that people used to have, depending on where they're from, are just gone <laughs> now. No one has an accent. Everyone speaks the king's English now. That's <laughs> not true. But, that dawned on me where I was like, wait, everyone from Earth talks the same now. There are two dialects, Dan. There's everyone else. And, and then Picard. There's Picard. <laughs> I'm French. Can't you tell? Oui, <laughs> oui. Oui. Mon ami. That was, that was some top notch right there. <laughs> top notch shit. Um, I loved Michael Dorn's performance. I loved the other Klingons' performances as well. And my favorite little tidbit of information is that Worf, and, I mean, sorry, Michael Dorn and Robert Bauer, who played Kunivas, <laughs> had been in a band together at one point. That's amazing. I know. What were they called? I've never been able to find the name. All I know is that it existed. But yeah. You know, I mean, this is the first episode where we really get to see Klingons, and I love it. I love it so much. Also, I mean, getting to see through Geordi's visor, that was pretty beautiful for 1986. No, nope, 1987. Nope, 1988. 88. 88. It was your second birthday, Cameron. Get I know. it together. I know. I don't remember shit. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty good effects for March 19th, 1988. <laughs> it was a good time. Um, using Geordi's visor comes back and you know it's just it's a fascinating piece of technology um, ba -ba -ba. I love <laughs> that also it just shows 
this episode sows some unhappy undercurrents in Klingon culture and the fact that some of them are not pleased that they have to be civilized. And so you're saying that may come back again? Yes. And also the fact that there is a Federation Klingon alliance and that it's yeah. you know, not explicitly stated, but it's there. Obviously. But well, yeah. They've come a long ways. They have. I guess those Klingon bastards quit killing sons. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember, but that was the first step to peace. Yeah, yeah, it was. Because Praxis exploded. Right. Their power plant moon. Which is such an interesting concept. I want to figure out how how do you export the power off the moon, but whatever. Well, it's just like, you know, those cell phones that you can set on shit and they charge. It's just like that, but long distance. But they only work because they're touching. So there's a current that can travel. Like, you can't. Okay. <laughs> Electricity as a signal just means that anything that passes near that moon's getting electrocuted. <laughs> it's a subtle signal, Dan. I don't know. They have really kick-ass solid cell batteries in the 21st century. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Well, and they also don't have an economy based on things having to break in order to continue buying them. You know, so they probably do have really good batteries. I'm sure. (laughs) Their batteries don't last 10 minutes. And then pollute everything they've touched after they're dead. It's a good time to be alive. Could be worse. Could be the 40s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as romantic as they make it look in the movies. No, there was a lot more venereal disease. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and racism and. And just sexism and all around horrifying behavior. And there was like a world war. Yeah, it wasn't great. The big one. And then we nuked a bunch of innocent people. It's a good time. It's a good time. (laughs) But it wasn't all Klingon death howls, was it, Cameron? It was not. What really really just fucking torqued your warp nacelle? (laughs) You keep saying what that, just, and it just what gets just, funnier. What just chapped your dilithium crystal? I I mean, I understand the necessity, but the fact that a complete stranger, and, and they take care of this later. That's the worst part, is I guess they learn from their mistakes, but like all of the corridors should be capable of uttering some kind of force field so that you can stop someone from going somewhere. The fact that he could just waltz right into main engineering and point a weapon at their main power source, which would just obliterate the entire ship. That just made me angry on a spiritual level. Well, additionally, the fact that they weren't scanned at all and they had the components to make a weapon on them. Yeah. I mean, it was like what this was a bad showing for security, period. It was. I both loved and hated that because I thought the fact that, you know, they were clever enough to hide a weapon on their belts was it felt very 1960s James Bond. And I loved that. But I also you're right. They should have detected something. (laughs) Why is your belt emitting a disruptor power signature? That's weird. (laughs) It's not my disruptor. It's my junk. Uh, It's designer. (laughs) 
All Klingons <laughs> junk dis emanate disruptor power signatures. It's part of our thing. Woof. Sorry, wharf. Um, <laughs> yeah, the security just did a bad job this whole episode. Um, when the little girl came out into the corridor, I was like, why the, why the fuck is this happening? Um, yeah. But also, the guards guarding them were so incompetent. At least he got the the call in before he got shot unceremoniously. The prisoners are escaping or whatever, or they've disrupted the force field or whatever the hell he said. And then boom, he gets blown away. Like he, he counts, like he waits a second and then he jumps out in full view with no cover, like doing a full on Kirk pose with his, with his phaser. And I'm like, you have made yourself such an easy target. Yes. How, do you have no training? What's happening? And then they take out more security people, and he manages to... This is the most baffling fucking part of this episode. How? How is there not better security around the core of the ship? No, I mean... And in addition, there's no shielding? There's nothing that I, that a stranger couldn't just unlock to expose the core to a point where he could shoot it? That is fucking nuts. Spock had to go through two doors to get to the core. This fucker just walks right up to it. Yeah. Well, it's a lot safer now. Regardless. Unacceptable. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> In future episodes, when they have a little bit more of a budget, all of the corridors can produce... Like, each section of corridor can produce individual um, force fields to keep people in place. You know, which is a really good idea. But yeah, the fact that, you know, it is terrifying that you can point a weapon at the warp core and just destroy a thousand lives. It's fine. We're a very trusting society. I guess. I just... Additionally, I found that while I enjoyed the conversations with Worf, I thought it was... strange that it hadn't come up before. Like, I'm glad they got to it, but I thought it was weird that I never knew Worf was adopted. We're a long ways into this series. 18 episodes. Just should have come up that he had a human brother when he did does something especially Klingon. He can be like, well, I was raised by humans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does... I actually really enjoyed, though, how... Um it kind of informed all of the decisions that were made earlier. And it was just very subtle. So it was kind of a big reveal, but like the fact that all of his, um, the fact that he is so defensively Klingon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am a Klingon. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if other Klingons would, they might say that it's hard to say, but. He's also I, surrounded by non Klingons. So. I mean, you say that. You're like, I'm an asshole when you're surrounded by not assholes. So who knows? Yeah, that's true. Got to represent my asshole culture. <laughs> and you do it well. <laughs> okay. Um, was there anything else that really twisted your nacelle? I think... Yeah? I don't understand what dying well means to a Klingon, I guess. Just in combat, is that their definition yeah, of dying well? Yeah, in the heat well? of battle. Okay. It's better to be gotcha. killed by someone for, you know, 
the purposes of battle that it is to just either die of old age or, you know, be executed. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Why? What did you think it meant? I just, I just wanted to know the exact definition because I thought um, he got gunned down like a dog, <laughs> you know? Not like he didn't deserve that, but... I still, I was just like, uh, that didn't seem very glorious to me. That seemed very, mm, honestly, sad. Um, I don't remember what I was saying. Something. Something about something. Yeah. Maybe it was just about how pretty you are. Probably. I don't want to brag, but I now weigh the same that I did in uh, my freshman year of college. He looks good, everyone. Yep. I would I would eat things off myself if I could. Like my little <laughs> toesy woesies. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> uh, goodness gracious. I, I now have no idea where we were. I think we were about to do quotes. I, oh, yes, we were. Tell me, what is it like for a hunter to lie down with the prey? Have they tamed you, or have you always been docile? Oh! Why do you mock me? Why do you wish to anger me? Only to see if it is still possible. It is. <laughs> you look for battles in the wrong place. The truest test of a warrior is not without. It is within. He thumps against his chest. Here, here is where we meet the challenge. It is the weakness in here a warrior must overcome. No. You have talked of glory and of conquest and legends we will write. <laughs> yes, the birthright of every Klingon. Yet, in all you say, where are the words duty, honor, loyalty, without which a warrior is nothing. Oh, shit. Right? Is there anything special you'd like for the body? <laughs> it is only an empty shell now. Please treat it as such. What a healthy way to look at death. Right? It's garbage. <laughs> Just, you know... <laughs> Bury it without a coffin, and it will become the earth. Part of the earth. And everything yeah. will be fine. I just want a pine box at a shroud. That's it. I don't need I don't need anything fancy. I think I want to be compressed in I, I don't know what I want. Do you want to be shot into space like Roddenberry? I mean that is tempting, but no. I actually <laughs> my brother wants to be loaded into shotgun shells. That's is that something someone does? Is there a service pro that provides that? Well, I mean, because then you can, you know, take them for approximately the next five years and use them to kill things. Huh. It's yeah. very... I know vengeful. I don't want to be buried in a box. Yeah. That's for sure. I either want to be cremated or... <laughs> I think maybe a shroud a standing straight up. Yeah. You know, and like plant, give services. me, give me a little, yeah, a little seed pod that I'm holding, all creepy, like, 
and then watch a tree grow out of me. Because I, I like the idea of cremation, but it's got a much higher carbon footprint than just like a pine box, which I didn't know. It takes an enormous amount of fuel to turn a body into pure ash, like That's to true. burn everything down. It takes hours at a very high heat. That's true. So I'm going to try my best to just die next to an open hole. <laughs> Somebody could just roll me in. A pit of polluted water. That way you can just. There we go. <laughs> Maybe then I'll come back as the Toxic Avenger. See, I always, oh yeah, the Toxic Avenger. I um, <laughs> I always joke that like, I love the idea of being turned into a tree. But like, what happens in the future if humanity survives? Someone cuts down my tree and turns me into furniture. Then what? Am I destined to haunt that furniture forever? <laughs> Have I not told you my chair plan? No. Okay, so there's there's some people, some fucking hippies, who take sapling trees, and as they're growing, they get they turn them and bend them slightly into like a PVC pipe setup that they have, and they make the tree grow into a chair, a table, a bench. They just work the sapling back and forth through this until it essentially grows into furniture. So I want to do the seed pod deal and have my shit and have my body feed and grow into a tree that will be worked into a chair and then I can have a haunted family heirloom chair. <laughs> and the only way anybody's going to get any of my money, which by this point, hopefully I'll have some, um, is if they agree to do this and keep the chair once it's finished. <laughs> I mean, I could be on board with that. Also, like right? you know, pressing your loved pressing your loved one's ashes into a record that just seems like an invitation for a poltergeist to me. You know, eventually the rec the vinyl craze is going to end again, and everyone. Okay, uh, confession time. I do a lot of thrift shopping just because I enjoy it, and it's better for the planet. And I like to see what people have given away, but so many things. I mean, most of the things that I see are people getting rid of their dead relative shit. And it just, you know, it goes and either sits in a store for a long time or goes completely away. And so eventually that dead rec dead person record is going to end up in a thrift shop and someone else is going to take it home. And that just, that sounds like a horrible, horrible idea to me. Bad, bad situation. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy, but I'm just saying... <laughs> I believe, sir, that that was the first time outsiders have witnessed the Klingon death ritual. <laughs> I can understand them looking into the dying man's eyes, but the howling? It was a warning. To whom? They are warning the dead, sir. Beware, a Klingon warrior is about to arrive. That <laughs> shit right there, favorite line of the fucking episode. I know, right? I was like, that is such a cool fucking part of their culture. It is. Oh, man. We also did I, that. I, I'm hoping that people will warn warn the dead when I die. Be like, heads up, a big old asshole's about to show up. <laughs> Maybe we can all fart in unison. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good send off. Um, we did that backwards, and I can definitely tell. And I'm sorry. <laughs> we can flip it around. You no, can be data. It's no, good. let's do it's it again good for our acting chops. Let's do no. Let's do it again, and then let people compare and contrast. <sighs> I believe, sir, that that was the first time outsiders have witnessed the Klingon death ritual. 
I can understand them looking into the dying man's eyes, but the howling... It is a warning. To whom? They are warning the dead, sir. Beware, a Klingon warrior is about to arrive. This seems a little melodramatic. (laughs) 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 To fit in, the humans demand that you change the one thing that you cannot change. But because you cannot, you do. That too is the mark of a warrior. You said I mock you. I do not. I salute you. That's pretty good. And his next line, you want to do his next one? Because that is. I have tasted your heart. You have been with them, but you are still one of us. Do not deny the challenge of your destiny. Get off your knees and soar. Open your eyes and let your dream take flight. Fuck yeah. It's good shit. I also loved that Captain Canera is like, when one of us dies that way, it diminishes us all. With a dishonorable death? Yep. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's a. It's, this was a really good episode, man. It really was. Yeah. So I guess, <laughs> how many empty Klingon dead body shells would you give this episode? Uh, I would give this four dead body shells. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I think I've liked this the most out of any next gen episode we watched thus far. I wow. really enjoyed myself. I was gonna give it four and a half. So I mean, that's pretty much right on the money but still i'm just i'm yeah. just so impressed daniel are you gonna watch this one again i might i might i actually think i might watch an episode of the original series tonight because i'm Aww. feeling nostalgic <laughs> which one i don't know i think i want to watch the enterprise incident i'm not surprised at all you really talk, did like talk that of one. the talk of the romulan neutral zone made me go you know what i should rewatch that one i like it a lot <laughs> or or mirror mirror just to watch uh, Kirk yelling. <laughs> That's me! That's me! <laughs> I'm Captain Kirk. <laughs> I'm Captain Kirk. That's not from that episode, but it's still, I love it so much. <laughs> you know, you just, you sometimes need a shacting fix. It's like an addictive drug. It's like, it's like eating an entire family-sized bag of Doritos. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to enjoy it so much while it's happening. Absolutely. It's fucking worth what it does for my health. <laughs> well, there are worse things than eating an there entire family-sized bag of Doritos. Yeah, I haven't killed anyone lately. And you gave up smoking. I did give up smoking, and that's really hard. It is really hard. And I only drink, like, on the weekends now. I also haven't had a I've had one drink in the last 20 days. Wow. Yeah. You're due for a bender. I am. My birthday's coming up. It sure is. I'm going to go to a diner and get a mimosa, and then I'm going to go to Alamo Drafthouse and watch the the new Quentin Tarantino movie, and they serve alcohol, and I plan on getting a little toasty. (laughs) They definitely do. Oh, well, we're gonna Ugh. we're gonna come on back next time for the arsenal of freedom, which sounds like a firework. <laughs> it does sound like a firework. <laughs> but uh, since we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it, I guess that just leaves one more thing to do, Cameron. That's true, and that's for me to twelve. <laughs> It sure does. And that's for me to tell you to not just have a great week, but make it so. Keep on trekking.
procedural pun. I can't even. My favorite thing that the internet has ever produced to date is the thing that's called shooting stars. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's just <laughs> like starfish shaped beings doing things and saying shoot instead of like, you know, uh, shoot. Oh, yeah, <laughs> shoot. yeah, yeah. Shoot, shoot, shoot. It's just so shoot. fucking good. Yep. And so innocent. <laughs> no dick jokes there. <laughs> Right? It's like his ice cream falls off his <laughs> cone. Yeah, I love that. And it's the story of my life, except I say, holy shit, fuck. <laughs> Son of a motherless whore! <laughs> okay. I have too much fun hanging out with you, Cameron. This isn't allowed. I miss you. Anyway. All right. Today. I miss you too. <laughs> <laughs> Wesley Crusher reporting for duty. <laughs> A Secret Weapon Production.
<laughs> okay.